My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so. Hey, good morning, Patriots. Today is January 17th in the year 2024, Wednesday. Patriots, there's a lot of change going on, obviously, in the world, and we're only 17 days into the new year. The World Economic Forum is throwing down hard in its knowledge and their statement, especially as Devos is here before us again, to let us know that we're all subject slaves to their control. And people are waking up, and at the very core of all of that is where we sit with our faith and how strong that faith will be in the coming weeks, months, and years. The problem we have right now in a, in a large perception and, and understanding of faith is it's been diluted down to a very weak and kind of smelly hippie version of Jesus. 
And I say those sometimes people cringe, but the fact of the matter is, if you take a look at really how Jesus has been portrayed in our churches across the nation over the years, especially since the introduction of the Schofield Bible, it's been one of the most destructive elements of the proper teachings of faith. And the weakening of the warrior Christ down to sort of this hippie love all things Christ has really weakened our ability not only to understand love, but the authorities given to us and truly what the nature of love is in terms of kingdom. We're going to get into all of that here this morning. Before we get going, Patriots, keep in mind that one critical issue that we face right now is a threat from electromagnetic weapons. That's an obvious threat, and especially we hear the discussions by our friends over in the World Economic Forum talking about basically throwing down and forcing everybody under one single world control. You know that they will do anything in their power to try to prevent a people from rising up and being independent, basically saying that we, the people, have the authority over our nation. They see us as slaves. And so keep in mind that they will use whatever means necessary to rein us in. EMP Shield, empshield.com. EMP Shield is a device designed specifically to protect our vehicles, our electronics, our household systems, your RVs, your ATVs, even your, your generators and solar systems and ham radio base stations from a pulse of an EMP. That's at EMP level one, two, or three, lightning strikes, or even solar flares. It's an American-made product. It's, it's an, a veteran-owned company. It's been tested at the highest standards of the best American labs. And this is all to give you a device that, in your home that can protect you from these sorts of unexpecteds, whether it's the outcome of weather warfare with lightning strikes, a man-made attack, attack of through an EMP, or some natural event like a solar burst or a solar flare. It's, it's great insurance in a time of unknown. So head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code, B-A-R-D-S, BARDS, which is, I think, like the best promo code on the whole web. If not the most popular, it's definitely the best. I might be a little biased, but that's okay. But anyway, use that promo code, B-A-R-D-S, BARDS, and save $50 on each unit and get free shipping. So again, empshield.com, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and get free shipping and $50 off. It's super important in this time to be prepared for these sorts of things. Okay, I want to start right now with a piece from John Kerry, and this is interesting. John Kerry says that not one democratically elected politician can stop the climate agenda. Let's take a listen. You know, it's absolutely critical that we accelerate. I am convinced beyond any doubt that because of the decisions being made in the marketplace now, because, I mean, you know as well as I do, even if, uh, you know, I don't want this, obviously, but if you wound up with a different president who was opposed to climate crisis, I got news for you. No one politician anywhere in the world can undo what is happening now. The marketplace is doing this. And the only issue for all of us is, is not whether or not we can get or will get to a low-carbon, no-carbon economy globally. We will. The only question is, will we get there in time to meet the challenge of the scientists in order to avoid the worst consequences of this crisis? That is what is at stake. So what he's basically saying is we're panicked because it's not happening the way we want it. People aren't complying, so we're going to have to continue to fund the private corporate government partnerships that we have out here 
to try to accelerate a market trend that, of garbage people don't need and to stay ahead of some major crisis, which they keep alluding to, which is down the way, that if they aren't in the place we want them on a zero-carbon policies and, and economy, that they will discover that we would have been setting them up the whole time for massive failure. There is something on the horizon here that's very real, and it's a multitude of events, and a lot of the layers that we're dealing with right now are not getting to the core issue of what they're actually hiding. We can tell that by the bunkers that they're building and the preparations that are being made, even by our own government, with underground facilities. There's a lot of theories of what that can be. It could be a major solar event, which is, has been talked about reg regularly. We talk, we're hearing more and more preparations about grid down. Um, we have a very fragile grid structure in the United States. And across the world, that would be equally impactive. You're hearing discussions about 60%, 80%, 90% of the public dying in terms of a massive grid down. All of these things are being done to prep the mind for something very significant coming. Something they don't want you to see because if you understood it, you wouldn't follow their belief. And for those that are wrapped around this religion of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is DEI, they have come to the belief that Americans and people in general are parasites and therefore deserve to die. And we have a pretty unstable signal this morning, so hopefully I'm just going to keep pushing along. And if this interrupts as we go forward, we're going to, I'm still recording this as full and we'll just have to post it as a live. This topic is obviously hot and you can tell, but this, we're starting to get these signal interruptions and it's hot because Devos is in, in play right now and they're talking of these things and they don't want you to know the truth. It's just that simple. Just done this too long. So the bottom line is they don't want you to know the truth that if you understood what they were hiding, you would not follow their agenda anyway. And that's what they fear is that as people wake up and as they get closer to the reality, as we hit with some of these cold climate issues, people are discovering that this whole idea of like not having natural gas, not having propane to heat, only being reliant on electricity, it's a fool's errand. It doesn't work. It's technologies. It's broken. So they're scrambling to try to get people to not look one way or another. And how do you do that? You do that through wars. But they're also preparing for something other else that's very important. This is a post that actually was put up by General Flynn. I want you to hear this. This is on X. It says, what the heck is our U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan talking about? Is this something that the U.S. Senate or Congress has even discussed? Is the WEF now some newly appointed global governance body? Leaders at all levels of the U.S. government must wake up to the fact that we face a real threat and it is emanating from the membership of the WEF. We Americans vote for those we expect to make decisions about our lives, not some wealthy globalist who thinks he, she, it thinks they know what's best for me and my family. I'm beginning to wonder if the it is a cover for lizard heads. But anyway, here we go. Take a listen to this. That order seems to know, know, uh, not be uh, the order anymore. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Uh, do you agree with that, or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order to bring into a new world order, and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back, and we rather uh, have an order based on international law and the principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades? I guess, and maybe this is the, the old um, 
kind of teacher in me coming out, I think of this a little bit more about a transition of eras rather than a transition of orders, but the two are kind of cousins of one another. The reason I draw the distinction is because I don't think the international order built after 1945 is getting replaced wholesale with some new order. Um, it will obviously evolve as it, as it has evolved multiple times over the decades since 1945. But I do think in a, in a more sharp and distinctive way, we are moving into a new era. And that's what I talked about in my remarks, that we are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. We're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. And at the heart of it will be many of the core principles and core institutions of the existing order, adapted uh, for the challenges that we face today. So what we're saying here is that Jake Sullivan's a traitor. Jake, I would encourage you to read the Declaration of Military Accountability because we did include the expansion of that. And uh, you might want to remember that we will ultimately be victorious and you will be held accountable. So however that fits in your life, it's probably a good idea. But the fact of the matter is that these leaders have become so arrogant and when you start to see them become this bold, they are obviously in a, a certain sense of uncertainty. We're seeing more and more of this. The cowards are coming out, and the cowards are starting to do what they do best, which is to try to pound the turf with the visions that they're telling you things will be. There's no choice. That's how they've won this. The amount of how they've taken the amount of territory they have so far is by constantly trying to tell people how things are. Now, this doesn't just limit itself to the sense of economics. Bill Gates is back on the circuit telling you how things are going to be as we go forward. We make sure that for all these vaccines, uh, that there's enough capacity, uh, that there's competition so the prices keep going down. And we will have new vaccines. We'll have a, a TB vaccine, malaria vaccine, HIV vaccine, and even the things like COVID vaccines, we need to make them have longer duration, more coverage, uh, and we're gonna change instead of using the needle to use a little patch. Mm. Uh, so the pandemic really highlighted that we've been underinvested in those innovations and it, you know, our partners in India are, are part of how we're gonna uh, get these breakthrough products done. So our partners in India are gonna help us do that. Thank you, India. We need to get you in line. Look, Patriots, old ideas right now, they're moving at every flank they can to try to bring us under a, a control of a new world order. And there's a number of layers of this. This is why I caution any politician and putting any too much weight in any politician. The layers that seem to be happening is that the obvious front end of Klaus Schwab, which we haven't seen much of him lately, that sort of directive method has been a big failure. However, I do think it was by design. It got people excited in, in sense of agitated about the idea of somebody taking their rights while they slam people heavily with the COVID con and really went through a massive trauma-based programming for the entire globe. The advantage of having somebody like Klaus Schwab at the point and speaking the things he did in a moment of crisis is those values that he's projecting start to become part of people's new values. People look at the crisis and they go, oh man, I don't ever want to do that again. And they start to listen to what he's saying in a different terms. He's seeding is all he's doing. Something we should be doing at the gospel that we do very poorly. They do very well with their 
satanic DEI religion. Diversity, equity, inclusion, great words. And this goes back to where I began, which is how they've destroyed the whole principle of Jesus. They're using this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's pandering towards the direction of a new world religion. This is where they're leading everybody. And this new world religion is centered on a simple principle. Take God out of all institutions. Take God out of our lives. Take God out of our schools. Take God out of the home. And people have fallen to this more and more. We're still in a very uphill battle with regards to that. And when we separate people from the, the word and our faith, and of course China's big initiative right now is to rewrite the Bible and to do so in aggressive ways. Even as if you heard from Pastor Brad Cummings last Friday, one of the things that they've rewritten is in this passage where Jesus is facing off with his accusers, the adulteress and the accusers, and he's in the middle. In that story of the Bible, Jesus dispels the accusers and leaves the woman without any accusers, asking her, who are your accusers? And she says, there are none, my Lord. And he says, go and sin no more. In the Chinese rewrite, the accusers stone her to death. A little different outcome. You can see how they're, they're twisting these principles so that a person that now reads the Bible in this new place is going to have a completely different perspective or inspection or perspective to of what God is. And they're, the God they're trying to direct people towards is the one world order God. This is based on the principles of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. That's the religion. And that's infected every institution. It's in our military academies. It's in our schools. It's in corporations. All of this is setting the conditions to move us to a place under a new pressure and whatever that osmotic pressure is are going to place that people will step in and by free will choose to be ruled this way. This is where defiance becomes critical and the understanding of truly whom we are and what we have to face. Right now, we're really in a place of we're having to call a warrior class. Tonight, we're going to have Doc Pete Chambers on. And I just got through interviewing him actually before this show. And this is a big discussion he and I had about the warrior class and waking up the warrior heart. We've become a very complacent society. We still trust too much in government. And not to criticize General Flynn in any way for his post, but the implication that of... And I think because he uses his post as an educational point, which is important, but what it implies is that Americans truly do believe that our government is there for them. Our government, our current government is a tyranny. It's not there for you in any way, shape, or form. The current government is designed to take away your rights, to lie to you, to twist, to deceive you, and to do so over and over to where you becomes a new normal. And we've gone way past where it used to be to where now they're just openly telling you that we're going to move our country to a world integrated country. No borders, integrated to a new world order concept. What was loosely called in the Pentagon back in 2012, a multipolar world. But it's a multipolar world with diminished borders. It has no real state nationality. Those are just monikers used to keep people safe and comfortable when in fact what you're really doing is you're creating more more restrictive prison states is what you're doing. People are becoming the prisoners increasingly. And we need to realize this. That these games of like nationalism and building up a strong republic, in principle, if we get back to the cores of the nation, that's one thing.
But when you have a billionaire class that has ultimately infiltrated all these places, you're dealing with cowards and traitors within your ranks that are not going to be true to the principle of returning a nation to where it needs to be. Pete Chambers had a word, and he'll hear it again tonight, but it was enough of a word that I wanted to read it this morning. Powerful word. And it came from the work that he was doing with some, with some intercessor prayer warriors. And this is the word. Warning of the warriors. Remember that one time when the coward rode in, when threat and danger had been abated and then tried to pretend like they missed it rather than avoided it. These cowards are not neutral. They will murder their own flesh and blood to get what they want, and yours as well, if you don't stop them in their tracks. False religion and the religious power brokers will try to glom unto you now. This is not Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of love and courage, but religion is dead, and as a coward, it will attempt to murder anything or anyone it can't control. Watch yourself now. Watch your brothers and your sisters. All other evil is child's play compared to the evil that murdered Christ. The Pharisees, false pastors of his day, put him on the cross. Hear, perceive, and understand. We are dealing in an era of cowards. And these are the people that are sitting on the sidelines that don't want to get involved. They're the people that when victory starts to happen, they want to run quickly into the alignment of those that have been fighting and pretend like they've been there, somehow just missed it. That's the point of the word. But these people were willing to sacrifice their brethren in the critical hour when we needed them. You've heard me speak out against Border Patrol, and they're the easiest target on this, and I'm going to do it right now again. What you've been seeing happen down in the state of Texas, with Texas has been seizing the park near Darien Gap, this is a big show because what's happening is they're showing people that the National Guard is repelling the Border Patrol, but what's actually happening is once they take the illegals in, they're handing them back over to Border Patrol to have them released. This is the heart of the coward. These are the people that are complying with this. But this gets much bigger. We look at the state of our, our, our union right now. It's riddled with cowards. Jake Sullivan is a coward speaking up against the World Economic Forum, not having the stones or the spine to be able to stand up and say, we're a republic, we don't do this, because he's part of their game. But if you listen to his words, he's mumbling and bumbling to such a degree that he truly doesn't even have the confidence of himself of being the coward that he is. I'd rather see a confident coward than see a coward at all. At least you know who they are. Cowards are the energy of this particular era that we're in. And it's important to remember a scripture because it's something that, this is one of these key things that love what God loves, hate what God hates. Well, here's an indicator. This is Revelation 21.8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. First on that list are the cowardly. And unfortunately, our nation is riddled with cowards right now, people that are willing to walk in with the enemy and simply give the excuses of why they are there. Those excuses include things like, well, uh, I, I was given orders, I have to worry about my pension, I have to worry about my salary, etc." True heroes right now are willing to throw it all down, and we must throw it all down in this hour because our nation's at a crisis, and it's not getting any better. And we're seeing this over and over in all sectors of our economy and all sectors of our land. 
Again, there is something very significant coming. They're hiding it. They're trying to not let us see it. And if we truly understood what it was, most people would probably do one thing. They would unite. Say, for example, that there is a solar flare coming. And we truly were told in truth by our governments, there is a solar flare coming. It's going to wipe out the grid system. It's going to leave a society in a state of chaos. We need to work together to solve things and come together and work for solutions. People would put down most of their differences and unite. It would be very easy. But unfortunately, because people are so tied to news media and so tied to the voices of government and so distracted by things like politics or distracted by things like divisive politics or DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, these sorts of principles that are being preached as new religions are keeping people completely off base. Part of this piece of bringing in fighting age males into the nation, they're infiltrating all of our communities. They're here. This is another order of chaos. That hopefully what they're hoping to do that in the middle of a growing level of chaos, especially as we get closer to the things that we should be paying attention to, whatever those things are, they will incite this chaos to keep you distracted. Remember, we're not dealing with multiple parties. We're dealing with one party with multiple names. We're dealing with one authority with multiple faces. Almost every single corporation in the world is owned by just a handful of corporations. We're talking like seven to 17. It just continues to be a, a filter down to where even when we get to the higher echelons of power, corporations are owning corporations. It's one big, it's one big good old boy program. And this is how they constantly manipulate the people to make believe that somehow you're getting choices. At the end of the day, when you're buying a product from one company and a product from another company, you're actually buying a product from one common corporation. And that's the biggest game of this whole thing. These people want to maintain their power. And the easiest way to maintain their power is to play people against one another. It's the oldest game in the book. By deception, we wage war. And they keep people pitted at one another. We don't have that problem when we put our heart into Jesus. We put our heart on the Father. When we pay attention to what we're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, right now, the, the confusion of things continues to be severe because in an information age, when they are controlling the predominant of the narrative, people are trying to listen to them for what's being said. And at the same time, sadly, we're getting part of their programming put into us. We have to pivot back to a place of moral clarity. And the one thing that's very clear when you read some, a passage like Revelation 21.8 is kingdom's not confused on this. We are. There is an extreme clarity on the consequence of being cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. That's a very clear consequence. It's a one-way trip to the lake of fire. That passion of clarity and that passion of truth, that passion of moral foundation, needs to be in us in everything we do. We can't deviate from that. We have to look at, at our sin as actually having consequence. Because what we're pushing for here is not whether we can shade the lines, but whether we can live in the intensity of what kingdom's asking of us. Because what's on the other side is, is glory. And so everything here in this time and this place is nothing that we can hang on to. We should be will, willing and able to shed every single thing we have. Think about this for a moment. If you were called right now to leave, would you be willing to walk away and able to walk away from everything you currently have and have no regrets. It's an easy thing to say yes to until you actually try to do it, to where you have to literally 
Leave everything around you behind to make the step in on faith that where it will take you will be something other and something greater. That's the problem with the material world is we become attached to things. We become attached to the, the components, the products, the issues around us, and every one of us has it. I would say there's very few in the world that could say that they are not affected by it. And we have to yet be in a place if we're truly going to be able to walk in that body of Christ, to be willing and able to step away from it all. In this hour especially, they are pounding this on to people to where the more that they drive people into, the, into themselves, away from the communities, away from interconnectivity of one another, the continued efforts to keep people divided and not united, what do people do? By nature, we turn inward and we turn to those things that are around us to fill our gap. Part of that is materialism. Part of that is consumerism. And that's at the engine of what they're saying. You heard that said at the very beginning, that John Kerry is saying that you can't stop this new trend because the, the, the markets themselves will bear the change, meaning that they're pushing in so much of their programming into people and that people have become so separated from one another that the religion of DEI Diversity, equity, and inclusion is so powerful that the individual is so lonely that it will fill, fulfill their own prophecy because they need to be part of something to feel that they're part of, of a community which they don't have. That community has become a new religion. That new religion is their religion. It's the religion of climate change and a bigger scope. It's the functional religion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. All of this is what's being masked around all this noise. And there's a reason they want this. Because whatever event they're planning or event is coming, they want us unprepared and distracted so that they can allow that event to create so much chaos and destruction that we won't turn with each other, we'll turn away from each other, and then we will beg for a solution. The begging for the solution will be the one that they deliver. It's literally the Hegelian dialectic. And if we aren't paying attention, we're going to get trapped deeply in it. Brad Miller spoke of this recently in a post, and it's a post where he deals with the Hegelian dialectic. So let's take a look at this real quickly. And what he says here is, let's at least consider the possibility the COVID op might have been designed to fail all along, and that by failing, it actually succeeds. This is exactly what we're talking about this morning. Perhaps the network of power needs the false narrative to collapse. What if the truth was always going to emerge because the planners themselves want it to emerge? And when it does, what if the intent is to cause the collapse of certain institutions as faith in them is eradicated? What if, in their place, new institution systems emerge that are more controlled and move us into a next phase of their plan? Just a thought. Brad's dead on. This is exactly what we're seeing right now is that as they have worked through these institutions, they are proving again and again to people that the, the church is broken, that you can't go there, that there's no such thing as a trustworthy church. That's part of the fire. There's truth in it. That's why it sticks. But they're breaking people's tendency to even go, and they're separating themselves further from God. As we go forward here, they're looking at the idea that the failure of these things is also challenged a, a trust in government. The trust in government is at an all-time low. So people are looking at government as a criminal state, not as something that will help them. The more that they expose themselves to the depths of the depravity which they themselves has, have built, the quicker people are going to be willing to accept a new solution because the one people thing people don't want to believe in is themselves. People don't want to realize that we have always been the way. We have always been the solution, and it is through us that we find 
the, the solutions that we seek because within us lives Christ and it's through, through him and to the Father that all things become clear. But they've separated that component in this equation. Christ has now become this outside agent. It's this cult of people that call themselves Christians. And the more that they pound that idea, the more that they can persuade people from the extremes of like Satanism to try to point to the other side and suggest, well, if I'm a satanic person, the opposite of this is Christianity. And that's that duality of Hegelian dialectic that's playing out in our public square. Look at the fights that are happening in schools as they bring Satanism into the public school. It's a bizarre and extreme position that people are being forced to accept because they have to talk again about it's our choice, it's our free will. Diversity, equity, inclusion. Look at what we have to allow. We have to allow for the tolerance of certain things. And within this, this great set of words, love what God love, hates what God hates, is lost. In fact, hate is taken out altogether. The concept of hating something is not even religiously moral. Our own churches don't like that word. The idea of standing against something has become lost and it's pluralized as churches wave, stick the LGBTQ flag in their front yard to say, we're here, we're opening our arms, we're embracing all people. This is diversity, equity, and inclusion under the name of Jesus. This is the fight that we're in right now. And every time you see an LGBTQ flag planted or flown in somebody's house, that's territory that Satan has taken. That's a controlled space. In the end, the idea is to do this in a passive way so that we people aren't realizing what's happening. Being broken down, being forced into channeling of, of your emotions, your, your, your stress, your, your things in your life that are breaking down your relationship with God. And as people separate themselves from the intimacy of God and what he actually brings into our lives, people look to fill the gap. What is it said in the Bible? If we expel demons and somebody that's not prepared their, their heart for Christ, the demons will return sevenfold. This is exactly what's happening. It's, it's the darkest element of using deliverance as a form of weapon system against us because they're being taught that you must walk in this world and reject all of this hatred. You must reject all of this this diversive or divisive thinking, and you must embrace inclusion, diversity, equity, and that feeling of that is to say you must accept all things because that's what true love is. That is not true love. That is not kingdom love. There is a right and a wrong in love. There is a harshness to love that tells the truth, but love is always centered in the truth. But love is not emotional. And love is, while it is perpetual, it is always seeking to the peace of bringing people to kingdom. Again, love what God loves, hate what God hates. But we can't tell what God hates because in this confusion, it's our heart that's hating. And that's where they play. Their ground is to take us to the emotional place of where we become the agents of hate, not God himself. Everything about this war right now at this level is getting to be extremely complex. because And it's, it's easily solved. But people not having a relationship with God, they're getting lost into a matrix of lies and being easily twisted because the devil is the master of lies. He is the father of lies. And the deceptions are at this point are very fine and, and sharp-edged. When you start to talk about DEI, it's very hard for people to not separate that from the idea that, well, Christ loved everybody. Yes, but Christ also flipped tables. Christ called out the Pharisees for the, the deeds and, and horrors that they were doing in the temple and the defaming of God's house. Christ had a whip, and he whipped people out of the marketplace. Christ had a ferocious warrior side, and Christ was feared by the many. 
But we have to remember that the following week after he was t- captured, he's ending up being stoned and spit on and thrown and having people throw things at him that the week before were worshiping him. This is the darkness of this hatred masked in this current in this current religion called DEI. That when you don't comply with them 100%, the switch is that they will then become to hate you. God doesn't have hate that way in his heart. He doesn't have hate for his children to hate one another. But there is an evil which there is intolerance to. If you ask DEI and the inclusion of DEI, they're going to tell you about a pedophile. Well, it's their way of life. We have to honor that and we have to include them and embrace them because this is their their walk in life. And then they will go so far as to say, well, a child has a choice. And so those two need to be given that choice. These are lies and twisted lies of a dark and evil religion. Understanding instead that God has said, Jesus himself said, it would be better to have a millstone around your neck than to do harm with the little ones. This war now is at a new level. It's striking at the core ideologies and beliefs of of a humanity. And this humanity that's walking out here is being persuaded to a certain degree that this is the right cliff to fall off on. God doesn't build cliffs. The enemy builds cliffs. And as we start to herd the sheep off this cliff, it's the biggest trap ever. This is literally wide gate, narrow gate. A narrow path to, to heaven, the wide gate that is so easy and people fall. And it's the path to destruction. And it's all done in words. It's all done in, in the principles of the way people think and see the world because what they're missing, what everybody's missing, is the root in the word, the root in the belief in, in, in Jesus and the encounter with God, which everybody can have. All we have to do is seek and open our hearts to him. But sadly, this is a place where it's falling and sliding more and more. Again, I keep saying these words. It's probably the most difficult scripture ever to get our heads around, in my opinion. Love what God loves hate what God hates. Simple on the surface, not simple in execution, because in order to see that, you have to seek the heart of the Father. And if you're going to seek the heart of the Father, every one of us is going to face the challenges of having to confront what we have been shaped to believe in this world and truly what God sees us to be in this world. And when we live in that space with Father in the walk that we have, we separate ourselves from this world. We are not of this world. This is so critical to understand. But when we're going to walk in the rules of something like DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, we are going to accept the terms of this world. We are going to become of this world. We are going to become anchored in this world. And you won't get love and inclusion. You'll get hatred. You'll get division. You'll get the separation between people, class, race. All of that happens because within DEI is a very simple principle. It's the guilt of being that the people that follow DEI believe that they were made imperfect, that they are parasites on this earth, that they deserve to suffer the pains and ills given to us because we're not here for the, the earth is greater than us. They don't see themselves as stewards. They see themselves as consequence. And they don't see themselves as stewards of the earth. They see the earth as the dying because of our hand. This is the big game. And the more that these events happen or that they engineer, the easier that narrative is to pitch for that mindset to where ultimately people will literally come to a place like the book on the beach, where literally it is at the end of this book, they all go to the beach and they have a big party and they wait to die. This is where they've been removing humanity to where humanity is so broken that it turns to the state and simply says, just help me get through the termination of this life so I can do the least harm and I can just endure the flesh. God isn't saying that. God is telling us, 
We need to do the greatest good. The greatest good through our love, the greatest good through our pursuit in him, the greatest good in using our authorities to heal the sick, to deliver people and to raise the dead, and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see ourselves as worthy. And this gets down to that message I talk about constantly that's being done in the church that is so wrong. We are not unworthy. We are very worthy. We are imperfect. That's a different statement. But we are not unworthy. But that doctrine of unworthiness comes right from the bowels of the darkness and the lake of fire itself. And it's a doctrine out of unworthy that is feeding into all these other places where people truly feel that they should not be here, that it's better to kill myself, sacrifice myself, get rid of myself than harm another day here on earth where I create problems because I consume. In the perfect model of this World Economic Forum, the, the, the climate change and the DEI religions, what you're seeing is that they're saying, and this you would be a perfect citizen if you could do this, please don't breathe. Please don't eat. Please don't consume. But you can exist. That's it. And that's how it waters down. And that's ultimately what's going to drive an entire segment of this population to the bowels of hell. Our mission's very clear. Moving forward, we have to understand that there is a line in heaven and heaven's looking to those that will lead, the children of the Most High. That heaven has no patience or tolerance for cowards. And right now, this is the hour of separating the coward from those that are truly the warriors in the body of Christ. And those will be moments of discernment. We have to, in that mission that we have, that is the remnant. And the remnant's role is very clear. We have to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and the broken, cast out demons, raise the dead, and seek the greater works. All of that is about a rescue mission. And we're trying to rescue those from themselves and from the darkness that has settled in around their heart. All of this, in the end, leads us to a very critical place that we have to understand the power of the martyrdom spirit. We have been given life. We have to be willing to understand the words victory or death. That means we throw it all in. That means we don't hesitate. We're not going to be limited by the sorts of things that this world is telling us to be limited by. We have to live only in him and through him and understand that in the end, we take nothing here. Our mission is so profound, it's so great, it's so incredible that we literally can change the world. So I want to end with a very powerful story today. And I want you to understand the power of what we truly deal with. There's a guy by the name of Sam. He's in the 231. I've known him for a while. I've not personally met him. I've met him through Pete Chambers. He's a great man. He was an inside whistleblower for a long time, letting us know what was going on inside the DOD and inside the military to keep us informed, and he took a lot of risks doing it. At one point, they discovered who he was, and he eventually was driven out of the military, and in so doing, lost his income and put a high levels of stress on his family. When I linked up with Sam, he was in a pretty bad state. He and his wife were having a lot of marital tensions, and his son was very sick. His son, in fact, was so sick that he was in the ICU with asthma. And Sam was just, they were telling him his son would never be the same. They were looking at permanent use of steroidal breathers, if you know what those are for asthma, which are horrible on your lungs. They were looking at the consequence of a lifestyle that their son would be compromised for the rest of their life. So I asked Sam, I said, can we pray for you? He said, yes. And I didn't know where Sam was in his faith, but he was, he's there. And so we prayed here. 
But I also turned it over to our prayer team. And our prayer team came back with the comments that Sam, as a father, needs to breathe, pray life over his son, and he needs to rebuke the spirit of suffocation. So this takes us to a very important scripture, which I want to read this morning as we close. And this is Matthew 8, 5 to 13. And when Jesus and Capernaum, a centurion, came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy of you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and and to my slave. Do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as, for, as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Our faith has to be so profound in the obedience of our word that we strictly follow that which is said. So back to Sam. I gave Sam the word. I said, Sam, here's what we say and here's what our prayers say. We need you to pray life over your son. We need you to rebuke the spirit of suffocation. I had no idea where Sam was in his faith. And for people, even in in young faith in some of the churches, these things sound almost blasphemous the way they're trained. Yesterday, I spoke to Sam. We had a discussion about some other things. And at the end of the the conversation, Sam said, well, I got you on the phone. He said, I need to give you an update. I said, what's going on? He says, you remember you prayed for my son? I said, absolutely. And he recited exactly what the prayer team had told him to do. He said, you told me to pray life over my son. You told me to rebuke the spirit of suffocation. He says, Scott, my wife and I did. I prayed over my son. I prayed life over my son. And I rebuked that spirit of suffocation. He says, my son is out of the ICU. My son is healed. He's a normal boy now. He's not sick like that anymore. He just gets, when he gets sick, it's like a normal child. I praised Jesus in this whole call. I was smiling ear to ear. I blessed him. Patriots, this is what this war is ultimately about. It's the obedience to Father. It's the absolute heartfelt obedience, like the centurion, like Sam. When When we lean into this, we get wrapped around all of these pieces, the delusions, the deceptions, the fragmentation that occurs in politics and the world events and the things that we have zero effect on. At the end of the day, have faith in the word. Be obedient to our belief in such a pure way that you understand that what you speak is the power of life. Sam didn't question whether those Prayer, whether the prayer warriors were right. He took it as gospel. He spoke it into his son, and his son was healed. Praise God. That's true faith. And whether or not he's deeply versed in Scripture or not is an absolute irrelevant statement because he has now touched the true power 
of Jesus, the true power of heaven, the true power of healing, the true power of restoration. This is a rescue mission. Our words speak the power of life and death. Every word that we carry, every word that we speak has the magnitude to change the world. We are accountable to each one we speak. And in this time, we need to be speaking the power of kingdom and life into this world. So all of these things that are going on, they want us to believe. Are their religions? They are religions. And kingdom doesn't do religion. The church is dead. It reawakens in our hearts. The church as we know it is dead. But it's now reawakening in our hearts in the principle of what the true church is. For Jesus lives within us. Take that as a gift. Take that as the power and authorities of heaven that we need. And now step into this world as a remnant to speak life into this world and let us change this world and steal it from their hands. It's really not any more difficult than that. We just need to be the centurions. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we're blessed to be here today and just honored and humbled with all that you do. And we praise you, praise you for the continued miracles that you bring into our life. Father, we just pray as a blessing over Sam and his son and his wife in that household. We place a hedge of protection around them and we continue to speak life into them and rebuke forever the spirit of suffocation that attacked his son. So, Father, we lift up Sam and his family. We lift up Sam in his household and all that he is in his heart, and we breathe life into him to continue to give him the strength and confidence to be the father in the family, to lead him, his son into the glories and the love of kingdom. Father, we pray life into this nation. We pray life into this world, and we rebuke the spirits that are trying to dis discern people or just deceive people into making them believe that somehow they're not worthy, for that is the greatest lie of all times, for we are worthy. And while imperfect, it's our imperfection that we seek the deliver deliverance from and the repentance in so that we ourselves can become greater in you. So, Father, we rebuke that spirit that seeks to corrupt people's hearts, to lead them to believe that somehow you are an imperfect God, for it is the greatest lie ever spoken. And rather than seeing the perfection of whom they are, they've come to believe the imperfections in which they're told they have. We rebuke that. And in the, in the place of that, Father, we speak life and we speak love. And love through the true sense and power of all that it brings. To heal the hearts of the wounded. To raise the dead. To cast out demons. And to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ as we speak it. We say these things, Father, with the mightiness and authority given to us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Guide us and bless us. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Prayer is at the center of all things. Our belief has to be unshakable. Our focus has to be relentless in the target of where we want the people to go. We want them to come together in the unity of their heart and the body of Christ and the healing, truly healing that happens within the deep heart of love. We have to walk with a loving and forgiving heart. We have to lean on God to deliver the justice that is deserved in this land. And just because we say that does not mean that God will not use our hands to bring justice. But we have to stay away from the acrid places of hatred. We have to stay into the obedience of our faith that's so pure and so profound that literally we can move mountains. And while it says that it takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain, it's going to take a lot more of love to heal. So love a lot and love more. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. 
Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM and a great interview tonight with Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, 
We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.